Hi, welcome to Positively Positive. If you're new here, I go by Sam and I have genital herpes, HSV2. Today we're talking about managing outbreaks. Off the top, I'm going to cover immediate care, then get to my experience with outbreaks. I'll talk about products and outbreak management, triggers, and prodrome. Obviously, I'm not a doctor. This is not to be used as an actual medical consultation, okay? I only talk about things I truly believe work. This is a great episode to take notes on, so grab your notes app or your favorite sparkly gel pen and let's go! We've got to live our lives because the earth does not stop spinning on its axis when we get an outbreak. And with that nihilistic optimism, let's talk about herpes, baby! Okay, if you're listening to this during your primary outbreak, your first ever herpes outbreak, I sincerely hope you have already been to the doctor's office. If you haven't, you need to go right now. Now, if you're back from the doctor's, well, that was quick. I'm sorry, this probably isn't funny for you right now. But just know that it will end and you will once again have a sense of humor just like me. It'll probably be a little darker than it was before. Mine was already dark, so here we are. You probably got prescribed antivirals, acyclovir or thalacyclovir. And if you didn't, you need to march right back. (laughs) I talk more about the specifics of the different antivirals in episode 6. So, you have your meds, but the actual sores have you contemplating amputating yourself at the waist. Apply some coconut oil. Right now. Coconut oil is so incredible for soothing itch and irritation, and it's safe for our sensitive areas, no matter what parts you have. I even sometimes put drops of tea tree oil in there, mix it all up with my hands, but please do not ever put tea tree oil inside yourself. External use only. Coconut oil was my best friend before diagnosis, and now we're closer than ever. Make sure you get the more expensive one, the organic virgin or extra virgin organic coconut oil, not the $3 cooking coconut oil with a bunch of other shit in it. Since lots of us have this in our house already, I like to recommend it right away so you can pause this and listen in a bit of comfort, if possible. You also need to drink water. I know this is terrifying, depending on the location of your sores. It's not the actual sores that hurt when we pee. It's our acidic urine running over those open sores. The less water you drink, the more acidic your urine is and the more it's gonna fucking sting. Pee in the shower when you can, Get a spray bottle, fill it with water, and spray that over your bits and the sores when you pee to help dilute the urine and reduce the sting. You can even get a mini travel spray bottle from the dollar store and take it with you in your bag when you're out and about. You can use it in public washrooms or when you're at work. I also recommend filling a little travel bottle with coconut oil and doing the same thing, applying it when you need it when you're out. Even if someone were to go through your stuff, it's just all natural hand moisturizer. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Take your bag to the bathroom, put it in your pocket. No one has to know. When you first start thinking an outbreak is coming, ice the area in circular motions a few times a day. I cannot tell you how easy and effective this is. And ice cubes are free, my favorite thing. I even started doing this when I feel cystic acne coming up. This can often stop the outbreak in its tracks and you may not have to do anything else. If the outbreak is already upon you like Godzilla on Japan, icing can help reduce swelling and be super soothing and reduce the length of that outbreak. 
Okay. Whew. I wanted to get immediate care out of the way before getting into the bulk of this episode. There's lots more care items, bombs, vitamins, blah 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 you can hear about in episode 6. So, how you react to the virus at first and going forward is dependent on your individual immune system. No one can tell you how many outbreaks you're going to experience. Some people will experience many bad outbreaks, others will barely notice theirs. No one can tell you you'll never experience another outbreak just because they haven't. Everyone's immune system has a unique reaction to the virus, just like any other virus. Some people get the flu every year, some never get it. Some people never ever experience herpes simplex outbreak. Herpes? Wow, what am I saying? Herpes simplex virus outbreaks. In fact, over 80% of all HSV carriers are silent carriers. But if you're listening to this, I'm going to take a wild guess and that just like me, you've been through an outbreak or two. For many people, the primary outbreak is the worst and it's never that bad again. This was the case for me so far, knock on wood. And it is the case for the majority of people I've talked with who've had herpes for many, many years. First outbreak is the worst. First six months, the outbreaks are maybe milder, but they can be frequent. First year, you learn to deal with them. And after the first year, for many people, the outbreaks become fewer and farther in between. Again, it's gonna be dependent on your immune system. Just because someone has the same type in the same location as you does not mean they're gonna have the same experience. For me, my first outbreak was bad. But even before I started antivirals, the symptoms had started to back down. Not much, but a little. And then I got on valcyclovir, and within 24 hours, I could pee again without wanting to end it all. There have most definitely been worse primary outbreaks than mine, and not everyone responds to antivirals right away. Some people have to switch antivirals because the first one they try doesn't work for them. Some people have to switch antivirals after living with the virus for months or years. Bodies are weird, and shit changes. I won't get too detailed on that, but just talk to your doctor. If your antivirals are not relieving you of your symptoms anymore, switch. And then talk to a new doctor if yours won't change your dosage or switch you up. It comes up a few times in this podcast that doctors don't always know what they're talking about when it comes to herpes. Bless their souls. Just kidding. It's what I consider negligence, and some of them really need to be more educated and informed on something they see all the time. But they don't all seem to like it when you tell them that. Some of them are receptive. I like those ones. I currently do not take a daily antiviral because I don't need it, but daily meds are definitely an option if you are experiencing consistent, severe outbreaks. If you don't have a doctor you like or can't get in to see someone and you're in the U.S., visit LemonAidHealth.com. That's LemonAidHealth.com. LemonAidHealth.com. Click genital herpes and you can get meds online, baby. It's super easy. You have a private online consultation and can get the prescription shipped to you. If you're not in the US, there's probably a similar online service in your area. You gotta Google that shit, baby. Oh yeah, also I'm not being sponsored by them. I just, I wish I was, <laughs> but I just legitimately, this is a way to get meds easy without fighting with doctors. LemonadeHealth.com, highly recommend. Moving on. Two months after my primary outbreak, I may have possibly had another. Honestly, 
Genital herpes, herpes in general, can be really tricky, and it can be really hard to tell what is actually an outbreak. I've never experienced a cold sore, aka an oral outbreak, so I can only talk about the land down under. <laughs> Sometimes outbreaks just look and act like ingrown hairs and pimples. The possible second outbreak I have in question was a single bump that looked like a pimple on my mom's pubis, which is not where my primary outbreak was. It was mildly itchy for a few hours when I noticed it, and then it was fine. To be disgustingly honest, I popped it like a zit and it didn't hurt at all, and it went away within a few days. I applied bio oil to heal the little scar it left, just like acne would. Healing scars is a long and tedious process, but bio oil has worked pretty well for me. That mark is gone now, and it actually only took a few weeks, or maybe a month. I'm not going to be running to the doctors to get a swab every time something like that happens, so I'll never really know what it was. It definitely was not the horror show that my first outbreak was. It was more like the last letter of the last name of the last credit at the end of a horror show. The thing I actually consider to be my second outbreak was four months after my primary one. I had a lot of anxiety due to stress in my life unrelated to herpes. I couldn't sleep, which is always a huge indicator for me of something being really wrong. And I was feeling itchy and uncomfortable down there. The next day, the area in between my inner and outer labia was extremely red and swollen, and there was a teensy tiny little sore on that area. It was so swollen, it looked like I had another labia. <laughs> like outer, middle, and then inner labia. Ah, God, I, I really never thought I'd be talking about my vulva this graphically on the internet. Hi, Mom! Just kidding, my mom doesn't know I do this. <laughs> She would die. Shout out to my mom, though. Great lady. So, I didn't do anything for this outbreak. I did not take meds. I may have applied coconut oil once, but it didn't itch after the first day of prodrome or hurt or cause me any pain. I was just like, oh, that? Yeah, that is swollen as shit. Damn. Okay, well, have fun down there. I'm gonna carry on with my life. And I did. I was actually really happy to get this outbreak because I was like, oh, this is what it's gonna be like now? This is awesome, this is nothing. And it is nothing. Nothing like my primary outbreak, and I wasn't anxious about it. It happened, I saw it, I monitored it, but I carried on. It was all clear in seven days and back to normal. So, if you are paranoid, about every little thing that's going on right now in your infected area, that is completely normal. Paranoia is a wonderful thing that comes along with herpes, but it, like the other symptoms, will fade. You'll get used to it. You might be one of the people who experiences very clear outbreaks often. There are ways to cope. If you can, get a standing prescription from your doctor. Mine gave me one I can refill five times before getting a new one. I went and got the first one filled even though I didn't need it right away. I wanted it in my house. <laughs> the pharmacy kept the prescription paper, so I guess I'm going there every time I want that refill. Which brings me to my next point. Be prepared. 
If you have PTSD from your primary outbreak, you want to do everything in your power to stop that from happening again. So, I have a kit ready to go for when my next outbreak comes. Or at least an outbreak that I know for sure is an outbreak and is actually bothering me. The last thing you want to be doing on a bad outbreak is rushing around to the store trying to find stuff or desperately trying to book a doctor's appointment for prescription. My home kit includes phallocyclovir, lemon balm, coconut oil, and tea tree oil, lysine, vitamin C, sleeping pills, the aforementioned bio oil for potential scarring, and immunity tea. Okay, the tea is more for my peace of mind and Honestly, I doubt it's going to help if I'm at the stage of an actual outbreak. But I like tea. Ice cream should definitely also be in my kit, but I can't have that in the house without eating it all immediately, so I'll just have to pay for the overpriced ice cream from the corner store when that happens. If it happens. Honestly, I'm looking up, prepping for the worst, hoping for the best. Other things to consider putting in your kit. Bee propolis and olive leaf extract. Those are the other top two vitamins I see over and over and over as being effective for experienced herpes carriers, long-term, decades-long people who've been managing herpes, and also lidocaine gel or cream, which will numb the area. Sometimes you just gotta give in to the lidocaine and numb that pain right out. That is perfectly fine to do. Ooh, okay. Another great thing is the outbreak bath. Shout out to Ray for teaching me this at positive.results.us on Instagram. Woman is a god. Go follow her. And countless people have also shared similar baths to this in the support groups online. And everyone says they have lots of soothing success with them. So, Epsom salt baths. If you want, add in a tiny bit of apple cider vinegar, some tea tree oil, tea bags, and coconut oil. If you have body-safe oils that calm you like lavender, toss that shit in there too. Anything that's body-safe, antiviral, antifungal, or antibacterial, do not put random shit you have not researched in or are unsure about. (laughs) And yeah, have yourself a fucking Epsom salt bath, baby. I love lavender candles when I need to relax. Incense is a great idea too. Y'all know I'm not a super chill, new-agey, zen yogi over here. I like facts. And I'm not spewing bullshit here like, light a candle and your outbreak will be gone. But remember, the fact is that this is a virus of the nervous system. The calmer you can keep yourself, the more relaxed you can stay, the quicker your outbreak is going to heal. Get your nervous system under control. That means stress and panic are not your friends here. I know it's easier said than done, okay? I really do, especially if you're new to all this. Relax. You know what to do. You got this. If I can do this, so can you. And I can do this. Okay. Now you need to sleep. (laughs) For reals, it's simple. You hear it all the time. But you need enough sleep. Sleep is a huge part of all aspects of our life and when you're dealing with an outbreak and the anxiety, maybe depressive feelings that come along with that, all of which is totally normal, you need rest. 
Now, before we go forward, another huge disclaimer. I am not recommending you use these or any other sleeping aids. I don't know you. I don't know what other things you have going on or other medications you take. I'm just saying that these things periodically work for me, a generally healthy person who does not take any other medications. There is a lot wrong with me, physically and in the void where my soul should be, but I don't take medication. So, now that we've established that, let's talk about my love of sleeping pills. Um, <laughs> God. Ugh, until I was diagnosed with herpes, I had only ever had trouble sleeping when I was jet-lagged or extremely excited about something that was happening really early the next morning, like a flight or... Oh, actually, no. My enthusiasm doesn't come out until about 2 p.m. most days, and then I shine like a ray of the moonlight until 2 a.m. Cue herpes diagnosis. Your girl can't sleep. Your girl gets up every night, sometimes multiple times a night. Sometimes I can't even get to sleep at all. Some of this podcast was created under the shroud of fog and starlight. That lasted for about a month, maybe two. But sometimes I just want the sweet release of eight and a half hours of uninterrupted, unconscious, fake death in my cozy little bed. I have a bunch of friends who smoke weed every night to help them sleep. It's legal where I live, no one gives a fuck. It genuinely helps people sleep. I'm not a smoker of anything, so I just never have it on hand. I will pop an over-the-counter sleeping pill, which I do have on hand, and I've also recently discovered extra-strength time-release melatonin, which I feel a little better about putting into my body than whatever the hell is in sleeping pills. On the nights that melatonin actually works for me, I wake up so rested, feeling so good. I have the deepest sleeps on melatonin. Other times, it does absolutely nothing for me, and I have yet to figure out why the fuck this is. Okay, enough about me, let's talk about triggers. <laughs> Just kidding, this will still probably end up being about me. Triggers are, as you can probably gather, things that cause outbreaks. Again, this is something that is specific to each person. Some people have food triggers. I was told that chocolate and peanut butter are two top food triggers by countless people. They're not for me. Thank Hades. If you are having frequent outbreaks, I highly recommend keeping a little food diary in your phone or a little notepad so you can see if any patterns come up with what you're eating and when outbreaks are happening. Then try eliminating that thing and see if anything changes. It's trial and error, and that can take time. I wish I had a better method to give you, but I don't. The main trigger, agreed upon across the board, is stress. For me, it is the only trigger I've been able to identify so far. Stress comes in many shapes and many forms for many reasons. It is really hard to tell yourself not to stress out when you're stressed the fuck out. I get it. It's a vicious circle, and I just suggest you start working on your stress management tools and coping mechanisms right now. Whatever that looks like for you, figure it out, and it will help you moving forward. I don't like telling people how to manage their stress because what works for me may not work for you. For myself, 
I like breathing exercises, cold showers, and going for walks or moving my body in any physical way. Physical exhaustion, physical movement at all, it's a great way to release shit and get me out of my head. So try not to stress about stressing. It gets easier over time. I'm pretty good at it these days. Another big trigger, especially for vulva owners, is friction. You know what causes friction? Sex. Use more lube. And then use a little bit more. Lube will help reduce friction and skin irritation no matter what parts are involved. Fingers, dicks, other vulvas, toys, you get the idea. Lube it all, baby! I promise, it makes everything better. And don't you want the best sex you can have? Lube it! You can order lube online. Side note for menstruators, on the friction note, I applied coconut oil to fresh menstrual pads when I was on my period after my first outbreak. It helped prevent the pad from irritating the sensitive skin in my vulva area. Cause I'm guessing you're not about that diva cup or tampon life when you're on a vaginal outbreak just a hunch. Although, my first Diva Cup is in the mail to me right now, and I'm super excited, albeit nervous, (laughs) to try it out and hopefully make the switch for good. Having your period is also, unfortunately, another big trigger. So just try and take care of yourself, try and not get stressed out. I know that's ridiculous to say when you're bleeding for seven days, but that is another trigger to be aware of. Okay, and you may have other triggers, and it may take time to figure those out. So just take notes, literally, of what you've been doing right before you get outbreaks so you can figure it out. Big life changes like breakups, moving, switching jobs are also things that can trigger outbreaks or trigger the frequency of your outbreaks. Because those situations obviously trigger our nervous system. Other than stress, Everything people said online would trigger an outbreak did not happen for me. So, Google is not always your friend. Something I also want to mention is prodrome. Prodrome is sensations you feel right before an outbreak, and sometimes that outbreak never even comes. I have felt way more prodrome than I have ever had actual outbreaks. This is 100% normal especially in the first year of having herpes. Your body is adjusting to something new. You need to let it do that without freaking out every time you get a bit of nerve sensation, tingles, a slight itch, a weird sensation down there that honestly is kind of even hard to pinpoint or describe. It's prodrome. It's fine. Ice it if you need to and take care of yourself. Okay, we are done here. To wrap it up, Get your meds, get your kit ready, try not to stress. (laughs) Fuck, imagine if this whole episode was just that one sentence. Like, yeah, just deal with it, fuckers, it's not hard. (laughs) Getting herpes is stressful as fuck, there's no denying that. But it does not have to stay stressful as fuck, okay? Check out my episodes that talk about mindset, and dealing with diagnosis for more on the mental and emotional aspects. You can do this. And I am rooting for you. Speaking of roots, 
I would like to leave you with the fact that I recently dyed my roots hot pink and I really feel like this is my final form. I feel like a unicorn, but like a dark unicorn because the rest of my hair is still jet black. You can't see me. This is a podcast, right? Well, I guess you will just have to take my word for it that I'm a fucking magical unicorn, baby. Thanks for listening. Share this link with anyone you think it would help, leave five-star reviews, and follow me on Instagram at Positively Positive Podcast. Check out the website, PositivelyPositivePodcast.com, for resources, tools, videos, and lots of amazing HSV content. If I've helped you and you'd like to say thanks, visit the support page for options, buy me a coffee, join the Patreon, or get yourself a Positively Positive sticker. If you just want to say hi, email me at PositivelyPositivePodcast at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail on Anchor. I'm out here, okay? I keep my real name private for now, but keep listening because that changes, and it will always be me reading all your messages. You are not alone. I'm living positively positive, and you can too. Thank you.